We turn in sacred scripture to John chapters 13 and 14. We begin reading at John 13 verse 31. And read through John 14, verse 7. We're going to concentrate in the preaching this morning. As we look at Lord's Day 11, we're going to concentrate on John 14, verse 6. But we begin at John 13, verse 31. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he has just dismissed Judas Iscariot. Therefore, when he was gone out, Judas Iscariot, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come, so now I say to you. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter saith unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. So far, we read God's holy and infallible word. Notice that verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's on the basis of this passage of Scripture and on the basis of many passages of Scripture that we have the instruction of Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism 
on page 8 in the back of the Psalter. Lord's Day 11. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, a Savior? Because he saveth us and delivereth us from our sins. And likewise, because we ought not to seek, neither can find, salvation in any other. Do such then believe in Jesus, the only Savior, who seek their salvation and welfare of saints, of themselves, or anywhere else? They do not. For though they boast of him in words, yet in deeds they deny Jesus, the only Deliverer and Savior. For one of these two things must be true, either that Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by a true faith receive the Savior must find all things in him necessary to their salvation. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we begin the second section of the Apostles' Creed. Remember, the Apostles' Creed is divided into three main sections, God the Father and, God, and our creation, God the Son and our redemption, and God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. So far, with Lord's Days 9 and 10, we've looked at the first section of the Apostles' Creed and God the Father and our creation. Lord's Day 9, we looked at who God is as our Father. Doubtless thou art our Father. And in Lord's Day 10, we looked at the comforting truth of providence. Our times are in His hands. This morning, we begin looking at the second section of the Apostles' Creed, which has to do with God the Son. And here with Lord's Day 11, we really have the, the groundwork laid for the rest of this section of the Apostles' Creed. Here in Lord's Day 11, it is emphasized that Jesus Christ is a complete Savior. Jesus saves us and delivers us from all our sins. And we must not, neither can we find salvation in any other than in the person and the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we begin this second section, we consider who Jesus is as Savior. And this morning, we want to do so focusing on the words of John 14, verse 6, because that verse gives us a very clear witness of who Jesus is as the only, the exclusive, and the complete Savior of all God's people. And that's what this Lord's Day is all about. We take as our theme this morning, Jesus, the only way to the Father. Jesus, the only way to the Father. We look at three things. First, the idea. Second, the reason or the explanation. And then third, the significance. Jesus is the only Savior there is. That's the clear teaching of the Catechism. That's the clear teaching of the Scripture. That's the clear teaching of Jesus in John 14, verse 6. In John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. It is the night before his crucifixion. He has celebrated the last Passover with his disciples. He's dismissed Judas. He has instituted the Lord's Supper. And now he is sitting with his disciples 
and communing with them. And he is explaining to them that he will soon depart from them. And he proceeds to give them instructions for what they are to do when he is gone from them. And as you can imagine, as his disciples hear those words that Jesus is leaving them, they are, feel, they are filled with fear and worry. Jesus' disciples don't want him to leave them. Their hearts become troubled. And that's where you have the words of Jesus, starting in chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says. I am going to my Father's house, and I am going there to prepare a place for you so that you can be there with me. In my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's house are many rooms. There's enough room for all my people in heaven. Don't worry about that. And then Jesus says in verse 4, You know where I am going, and you also know the way. Well, the disciples don't understand what Jesus is talking about. They're very earthly in their thinking. And Thomas, speaking on behalf of the other disciples, say, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. We don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? So they totally fail to understand what Jesus is saying. They think Jesus is talking about some physical pathway or a physical journey that he's taking. And so they miss the comfort that Jesus is speaking in these verses. And Jesus says, no, Thomas, you're not thinking the right way. Thomas, the reality is this. I am the way. I am the way. Now, the question for us this morning is this. What does that mean? When Jesus says that he is the way, he means here that he is the way to his father and to his father's house of many rooms. Jesus is saying, I am the way to heaven. And Jesus is not just the way to heaven, but Jesus is the way to the Father and fellowship with the Father. He's talking there about who God is as Father, who we are as His children. He's talking about Father's house, where there is fellowship and family friendship and communion. That's who God is. God is a family God. He's a triune God. He's the God of the covenant. And in his presence, there is life and friendship and blessing and family fellowship. And Father lives in heaven. And to live in his house and to be in his house is to enjoy his friendship. It is to know his love, his smile, and it is to know his care and his protection. That's what salvation is, to enjoy life and fellowship with God as our Father. Jesus is the way to fellowship with the Father, to communion with God. And when Jesus uses that language that he is the way, he's using a figure of speech, right? He's using a metaphor. Literally, Jesus says, I am the road. The, the word Jesus uses is a word that refers to a road or a traveled path or a route on which a person uh, walks to reach a destination. Jesus is the road. Jesus is the path that takes a person, that brings a person to the Father and to fellowship with the Father. And this is a familiar figure in the scriptures. Just for one other passage, 
this morning. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, Enter ye in at the straight gate, at the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The Bible speaks of really only two roads in life that man can walk on. There is the road that leads to heaven, and there is the road that leads to hell. And Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, that he is the road. He is the path that leads to heaven and that leads to the Father. To put it another way, Jesus is the way of salvation. And when we speak of a way, what we need to understand is this. A way includes both the starting point and the final destination and all the points in between, from start to finish. That's what a way is. A way is the distance between two points. And when we talk about the way of salvation, the starting point of that way is our regeneration, our being engrafted into Christ, being made spiritually alive. That's the moment that we are put on the way, on the road. And the final destination is when we are brought to heaven, to God's house of many mansions, and join eternal fellowship with the Father. And now Jesus is the way. He is the pathway, the whole pathway that leads to the Father. If you are going to be a traveler to heaven, this is the street you must be on. Jesus' street. Now, in order to understand the idea of a way, to go a little further and a little deeper here, we need to understand the need. We need to understand why Jesus brings this up. Why do we need a way to the Father? Well, we need to have a way to the Father because left to ourselves outside of Christ, there is an enormous distance between us and the Father, between us and God. And the reality is, left to ourselves outside of Jesus Christ, the way to the Father is closed. But let me emphasize it this way. Left to ourselves outside of Christ, there is an enormous distance between us and the Father. There is a great gap. And... and I guess it's worth emphasizing too. Outside of Christ, the way is closed. There is, in fact, we could say at least three ways in which there's a great distance between us and the Father. First, there is this reality. God is the creator. God is the infinite, eternal, all-glorious creator who rules over all. And all of us, are but creatures, creatures of the dust. God is the transcendent one who dwells in the heavens, who dwells in a light unto which no man can approach. And we are but creatures of his handiwork. God is infinitely higher, infinitely greater than us in every way by virtue of who he is as God, as creator, and who we are as mere creatures. There is this gap, there is this distance between God and us. Now, it's certainly true that when God created man, God created man after his own image, so that man could fellowship with God and know God. But still, let us appreciate this reality. God, as creator, is infinitely higher than we are. And in comparison to him, we are but specks of dust. There is an enormous gap there. 
unless God himself chooses to come down to us, to our level, and reveals himself to us. There is but that infinite distance that remains between God and man. So there's that distance, which is why we need a way to the Father. Second, there is this reality, very similar to the first. God is the one who dwells in heaven, and we are creatures of the earth. This is a slightly different point. And that's part of the meaning here in John chapter 14. Jesus is going to his Father's house. Jesus is going to the spiritual realm of heaven. You can't see it with your physical eye, but it's there. That's where the souls of our loved ones go. When Jesus takes them through death, they go to the spiritual realm of heaven. But the question is, how can man go to heaven? We are of the earth, earthy. That's really part of what Thomas is asking. Jesus, what is the pathway that gets us to heaven? How can we get there? Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In our earthly bodies, in the way we are now, we can't enter into Father's house of many mansions. Our bodies first need to be transformed. They need to be glorified and fitted for life in heaven. So, so there's an enormous gap there that needs to be bridged. We need to be changed into the heavenly in order to enjoy life in Father's house of many mansions. So that's a reality as well. And then third, there's this reality, and, and maybe especially this reality, God is the righteous and holy God, and we are not just creatures, but we are sinful, fallen creatures of ourselves. God is spotlessly holy and pure. He is perfectly, completely devoted to himself. He is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. He cannot have communion with iniquity. And man is a fallen creature. Man is a violator, a transgressor of God's good commandments. Yes, God originally made man after his own image, but man fell into sin, man lost the image of God, and man fell out of fellowship with God and chose the fellowship of Satan rather than the fellowship of God. And part of the result of man's sin is that now there is this barrier. Sin is a barrier in multiple ways between us and God. First, man is a lawbreaker so that we're worthy of punishment. And God, as the judge, looks upon man in his sinful state in wrath. God is not pleased with man in his sin. And then second, as a consequence of the fall, man is not only a lawbreaker, but he's become full of iniquity, full of unrighteousness. We became corrupt, totally depraved. Spiritually, we died. So that man is now an enemy, an active enemy of God, a lover of darkness. And of ourselves, unable and unwilling we are to change. And so the result there is that there is this enormous gap, this infinite distance between the holy God and sinful man. And the fact is, to be in God's presence in Father's house of many mansions is not only impossible for sinful man as he's covered in his sin, but it's even undesirable. We by nature would ha rather have the rocks of the mountains fall on us and cover us then have to come face to face with the Holy God. And so there's this great distance, this enormous distance between God and man. And then to add one more consideration, maybe a, a fourth thing, not only are we guilty sinners, not only are we corrupt 
with sin by nature outside of Christ. But there is the simple reality that spiritually we are dead. By nature, left to ourselves, we are spiritually dead. And the question is, how shall we, how shall man who is spiritually dead be made alive so that he can spiritually enjoy fellowship with the Father in his house of many mansions? Right? There's that reality too. That's an added barrier. And so I hope you see what I'm doing here. I pointed out a number of ways in which there is this enormous distance between God and us. God is the infinite one who is high above us. God is the one who dwells in heaven, we upon earth. And God is the holy one. And we are, outside of Christ, defiled and corrupt with sin. This is where we are. This is where God is. How can that distance between God and us, between the holy creator and sinful creature, be bridged? Who is able to span that gap between the Father and us? Or the language I used before, that way is closed. It's closed. Well, what Jesus says is this. He, he is the one who bridges that gap. He is the way. Or to use other language that maybe we're familiar with, he is the mediator. There is one God and one mediator between God, the creator, and man. The man, Christ Jesus. There is only one way to the Father, and that way is Jesus. Jesus does not just show us the way. Jesus himself is the way. And what Jesus emphasizes in John 14, verse 6, is that he is the exclusive way to the Father. There is no other way to the Father than Jesus. First of all, notice how he puts it in the first part of verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Jesus doesn't say, I am a way to the Father. He doesn't say, I am one way to the Father. No, I am the way, the only way to the Father. And then that becomes very explicit in the second half of verse 6, where Jesus says, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Thomas, don't look anywhere else. I am the way. And by faith, you already have me. You already have the way, the access to the Father and to Father's house of many mansions. I am the way. Having me, abiding in me, staying on me, believing in me, you have the Father. By faith, you have me. And that's so important for us to realize and emphasize. Jesus is the only way to the Father. This is Christianity 101. What so many in the world do is this. Either they put away the one true God of heaven and earth, the, the triune God, and, and they make up a God after their own imaginations. A God who so often is patterned after the image of man. So that they have an idol that looks like man. And, and if you do that, if you invent a God that looks like you, well then you don't need Jesus. You can invent your own way for how to get to your idol God. Be a good person. And maybe after several reincarnations, you can finally achieve nirvana. And then you can be one with God, one with the universe. Pray five times a day. Be a good person and do all these other things. And then maybe you can get to paradise. 
or what many others do is this. They confess that they worship the one true triune God of heaven and earth, but then they put Jesus aside and they make up their own way of how to get to him. Or what they often try to do is, is try to add to Jesus. So that they say something like this, Jesus and your good works. That's the way to the Father. Jesus and your own holy life are the way to the Father. Jesus is not enough. You need to add something to Jesus. And what Jesus says is no. That displaces who I am and the perfect work I have done. I am the way to the Father. I am exclusively the way to the Father. Right? Every single time you go to God in prayer, you you think of this. When you say, for Jesus' sake, how do you go to the Father in prayer? How do you go to the Father and experience His fellowship and friendship? How do you come into the presence of the Father? There is only one way to the Father and His Father's fellowship into Father's house. It's Jesus and Jesus exclusively whom we receive and enjoy through faith. No man can enjoy fellowship with the Father, fellowship with the Creator, fellowship with God, except through Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ. No man is going to go to heaven except those who have Him. All other pathways are dead ends. This is also part of the burden of mission work, beloved, so that others might know Jesus and by God's grace come to know Him spiritually through faith. Because people need to hear that. It's in Jesus and Jesus alone that salvation is found. And again, how do we have Jesus? How do we get on the path of Jesus? Through faith, which is God's gracious gift that he gives to whom he wills. Faith, which is the sole instrument for enjoying fellowship with the Father because faith receives Christ. Faith takes hold of Christ And Christ Jesus is the way to fellowship with the Father. That's what Jesus means. But now let's move on. Let's understand the reason for this or the explanation for this. Why is Jesus the way to the Father? And why, of all the different religions of the world, why is Jesus the only way to the Father? Well, let's first answer it this way. Jesus is the only way to the Father because Jesus is the only one who can span and who does span that distance between God and us. First of all, God is the creator and we are but creatures of the dust. How can anyone span that infinite distance? We can never never rise to the level of the infinite God. But look at Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is himself, the creator God, come in our flesh. Jesus is the immortal, invisible, triune God who has taken upon himself our own flesh and blood through the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is the Son of God and he's the Son of Man. He is the Father's own eternal Son. He is the I Am. That I Am. He is God. Come down earth. And what we can say then is this, through the wonder of the incarnation, God coming in the flesh, Jesus spanned that great distance between the infinite God and finite man. 
So that's one way in which Jesus is the way. That's one component of who Jesus is as the only way to the Father. Second of all, remember, God is the one who dwells in heaven, the spiritual realm of heaven. We are the ones who dwell on earth. How can anyone span that distance? Well, again, same kind of answer. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the one who came down from heaven and took upon himself our human flesh and blood. And not only that, but Jesus is also the one who died in our flesh and blood and who rose again in that flesh and blood and who is now glorified in that flesh and blood and who's gone back to heaven in that very flesh and blood. He has risen from the dead and he has clothed himself with glory. He's, put him, he's clothed himself with heavenly glory so that his own body, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, is fitted for heaven and that's where he went. And so there you have the answer. Jesus is the one who has been able to span that great distance between God and heaven in the spiritual realm and us on earth, in this earthly realm. And where he is as the head, we know the body also goes. Where he goes as the head, he will make sure to bring all who are members of him with him. So through his incarnation and his death and his resurrection and his ascension, Jesus has spanned the great distance between the heavenly God and earthly creatures. That's another component of who Jesus is as the way. Third of all, God is the Holy One and we are guilty sinners. How can anyone span that distance? That's a barrier. How can anyone remove that barrier? We could never make ourselves holy in the sight of God. Well, Look again at Jesus. Who else is Jesus but the righteous one, the righteous God himself, come in the flesh, come in our flesh, who took upon himself all the guilt of our sins on his own shoulders and bore that guilt to the death of the cross and suffered all the punishment that that sin deserved. Jesus is God himself come in our flesh to blot out all our sins and also to obtain for us and impart to us a righteous standing before God. Part of that was also this. He lived a perfectly obedient life for us as our head and substitute. And in Jesus Christ, all those who belong to him have a perfect Righteous standing before the creator, the judge, the one who dwells on the throne in heaven. Jesus is the one who by his lifelong obedience and by his atoning death has removed the barrier of sin. And he is the only one. In him alone is that barrier of sin removed. That's another component of who Jesus is as the only way to the Father. And then finally, if we want to bring in that fourth point, God is the living God, and we are by nature spiritually dead. We have no life in us. How can anyone span that distance between death and life? Well, look at Jesus, because Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is the one who delivers us from the death of our sins and imparts to us a heavenly, eternal life. Right? In his own resurrection from the dead, he took to himself eternal life. 
And now, by his Holy Spirit, he causes his people to share in that same eternal life. We have that eternal life already now. Because those who believe in him shall never die. Not spiritually. We already have that life, the beginning of eternal life already now. Jesus is the one who restores us again to the image of God so that we are able in Christ and out of the power of Christ to know God, to walk with God, and enjoy life with him here on the earth and in his house of many mansions. And this is another component of who Jesus is as the way. And so we see that this is why Jesus is the only way to the Father, because of who he is and what he alone is able to do and has done. He is the only way to the Father because Jesus is God come in the flesh. That's at the heart of it. He who has seen Jesus has seen God. And all these things have to be true of Jesus or there is no way to the Father. All things, all these things that I've just described have to be true of someone, anyone, we might say, in order for anyone to, to be the way to the Father. And in this whole world, among all the religions that exist in the world, only the true Christian religion has the one who is able to do what is necessary. Because only the Christian religion confesses the name of of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, the Son of God. This is what Christianity is all about. It's all about Jesus as the only way to the Father. Only Jesus. This is so precious to the child of God to see it and to know it that I have Jesus who meets these qualifications of the, of the only mediator that will suffice. And this is why he's called Jesus, because he's Jehovah's salvation. He is the Savior. He saves his people from the guilt of their sins. He saves them from the power of their sin, from the corruption of their sin. And he saves them unto everlasting life and joy with their creator. And he does it all because he is the complete Savior. That's why Jesus is the way to the Father. That's the first reason. But secondly, if we look again at John 14, verse 6, we see that Jesus actually says more than just that he is the way to the Father. He says, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's also part of the reason why Jesus is the only way to the Father. Because he is the truth, and he is the life. And really, we could understand the verse this way. I am the way... Because I am the truth, and because I am the life. Why is Jesus the way to the Father? Because he is truth, and he is life. And what Jesus is expressing in these words, it's, it's really what we've already covered in this sermon. Jesus is the truth, because he's God, and God is truth. God is, what is truth? Truth is that which is real, that which is reality. And God is the great reality in our lives, in, the, in this whole creation. God is the truth. He's the one who shapes the reality 
what reality is for everyone. He is the great truth, the great reality with whom we have to do. God. And Jesus is God. Jesus is the truth come in the flesh. And not only that, but we could even say this. Think of it maybe even from the point of view of Jesus' disciples listening to him in John chapter 14, just after he administers the last Passover and institutes the Lord's Supper. Think of it from this point of view. Jesus is the truth in the sense that he's the actual fulfillment. He's the actual substance of all those things in the Old Testament that were but type and shadow. Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is the temple. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. All these things are types and shadows. Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the substance. Jesus is the truth of it. And then to expand on that, we could even say, Jesus is the truth, because in Jesus we have God revealed to us for who he truly is as the God of the gospel. The God of the good news of self. This is who God is. Not just creator, but at the very heart of who he is. He is the God of grace. The God who saves. The God who has spoken promises to his people and who who will fulfill those promises. And it's all brought to its focal point in Jesus. He is the truth of who God is. You want to know God Look to Jesus. He is the image of God. He is the revelation of God. And that's why Jesus is the way. He is the way because he is God. He is the truth come in the flesh. And Jesus is also the way because he is the life. And again, he is the life because he is God. And God is life. God, is, God has eternal life in himself. And not just life, but fellowship and family friendship, fullness of life in himself. God is the one who creates life. God is life. He is the living one, the one from whom all life flows. And Jesus is God in the flesh. And Jesus not only comes into our flesh as God in the flesh, but But what does he do for us? He's the one who goes into death. He's the one who goes into the grave. And he's the one who, as it were, breaks a hole through death. And he comes up through the grave on the other side of the grave. Bringing us with him through death in the grave. So that we are brought from this short, transitory, mortal life. Brought through death and the grave, through Jesus Christ, into eternal life immortal life, sharing in the life of God himself through Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus is as the life. He's the resurrection and the life. And it's because of that reality of who he is that he is the way to the Father. If you don't have the one who is truth himself come in the flesh, if you don't have the one who is himself life come in the flesh, then you don't have the one who is the only way to the Father. Without Jesus, without that man Jesus of Nazareth who walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, 
who is not just fully man, but who is also at the very same time fully God, who came in the flesh in the wonder of wonders 2,000 years ago. Without him, I have no way to heaven. I have no way to fellowship with my creator. But the blessed reality is this. I do have him. You as a child of God have him. For our loved ones who've died in the Lord, they have had him and they still have him. And how do we have him? How do we receive, how do we possess Jesus? It's through the gift of faith. I cling to Jesus through faith. I come to him. I receive him as my own. I possess him as my own so that he is mine and I am his. And having Jesus through faith alone, we have access to the Father and his blessed fellowship. So what's the significance? Well, answers 29 and 30 of the Catechism get right to the heart of it. Question and answer 29. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, a Savior? Because he saveth us and delivereth us from our sins. And likewise, because we ought not to seek, neither can find salvation in any other. The significance is this. We must not seek our salvation in anyone other or anything other than Jesus. Are we prone to do this? We are more prone than we realize, beloved. That's the weakness of our faith. Every single one of us here this morning is is more prone to it than, than he actually thinks. We confess that Jesus is our Savior, but how often aren't we looking elsewhere for our comfort, for our hope? How often aren't we looking to ourselves for our boasting, for our confidence? We boast in our knowledge. We boast in how we've made ourselves to differ from others. And the reality is, no, Everything that you have is a gift. You haven't made yourselves to differ from anyone. You have been freely given Jesus. That's the only way to the Father. That is your salvation. And then question and answer 30 of the Catechism emphasizes the point, Jesus is a complete Savior. He's not a partial Savior. It's not Jesus and my good works. It's not Jesus and this or Jesus and something more. It's Jesus alone. And I enjoy him by faith, and having him by faith, I have all things, I find in him all things necessary to my salvation. And that's why I am pursuing this life of godliness and this life of holiness. That's that's why I'm living this life that I'm living, and why I care about God's commandments, and I care about Jesus' commandments. Right? If If you love me, keep my commandments. It's because I love him. It's because I know he's my savior. I know what God has done for me. When I look at Jesus, that's God. My savior, come for me. And he's borne the unspeakable agonies and reproaches of hell for me so that there might be a way for me through him alone to be with him in his house of many mansions. And right now I'm already enjoying the beginning of that fellowship and I love it. I love this life of holiness 
to which he has called me. I love being his child and living as his child. Beloved, I exhort you, seek your salvation in Jesus alone and recognize afresh. May that be what the Sabbath day does for us. Recognize afresh who Jesus is as the Son of God. Simply receive Jesus from the hands of your loving Father. Look at who he is. Look at what he has done. Having Jesus, you have the Father. Having Jesus, you have the Father's fellowship. Having Jesus, you have a home being prepared for you in Father's house of many mansions right now. Having Jesus, you have salvation. This is our comfort, our only comfort, our all-sufficient comfort in life and death and regarding our body and regarding our soul, that we belong to Jesus. May we exalt in it to the glory of Jesus and the glory of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for this simple but very good and necessary message we need to be reminded that we have Jesus by faith and having Him, we have Thee and we have all things. So give us that peace that comes with having Jesus. Bless us preaching to our hearts and to our lives. Strengthen us in our earthly sojourn. In Jesus' name, we ask it of thee. Amen.